Along with our full-length episodes of Dead River, we're releasing some bonus content for you. This release is a longer cut of the powerful interview Christina Sarah recorded with Pamela Isabel. Pamela is Emmanuel's mother, the five-year-old girl who was killed when the Fondao Dam collapsed. In this interview, you'll hear Pamela refer to Emmanuel as Manu. You'll also hear Pamela talk about her son, Nicolas. He was three at the time of the disaster and was very badly injured in the aftermath. Pamela also talks about her now ex-husband, Wesley, who was at home with the children when the dam collapsed. In this interview, an actor reads an English translation of Pamela's words, and Christina Sarah has voiced her original questions in English. And before we begin, I wanted to let you know that Pamela talks very candidly about child loss and describes the frightening physical impact of her son being caught in the dam collapse. This is a powerful and important interview, but please take care of yourself and only listen if you feel able to. My name is Pamela Rayane Fernandes de Sena Isabel. I'm 29 years old. I'm the mother of Emanuele e Vitória Fernandes Isabel, who died in the dam collapse in 2015. She would be a young lady today. How do you imagine Emanuele today? What would she be like? Who would she be? I can't imagine her physically, right? The way she looks. But I can picture her as a person. She would be a wonderful person because she already was. She was my friend. She was affectionate. She said everything she had to say. She had a firm hand, you know. (laughs) So I'm sure she would be a very beautiful girl, right? With um, curly hair and black eyes. But it's hard, you know, because you start to forget. When other people said to me, Pamela, you will pass, you will forget. I would say, I won't. Of course, I can't forget the pain of what it was, but I can no longer remember her smell, her voice. For a while I could, but now I keep thinking... What was her voice like? What did she smell like? I I can't remember anymore, so I can only tell you that she would be a good person today. I remember once when we met years ago, you told me that she told you that when she grew up, she wanted to be like you. And you said that you told her, no, you will be better than me. Why did you say that? So, I think, I think I'm different. I don't like to be at home. I've always been very independent, very independent of anyone else. If I wanted to do something, I did it. What I achieved in my life in Bento, I achieved on my own. I went after it. I had Manu when I was 15, so everything I achieved, she followed along. She saw that her mother was strong, you know, 
I would go through some tough times. I'd cry and she would be there. She must have thought, oh, I want to be like that too, right? But I told her she would be better. If she was here, she would be much better than me. I also remember that you said that she used it to say that she was going to look after Nicholas after school. That was something that really affected your son because then he would ask, who's going to look after me now? How did the loss of Emanuele affect her brother? The two of them were very close. You know, they even bathed together. After the collapse, when I put him in the bathtub, he said to me, I want Manu, I won't shower without her. He was... He was banging his head on the shower stall on the wall and I couldn't help. There was no one to help me when I said to him, Nicholas, calm down, Manu, become a little star. We can go and see her. And he would say, I don't want to see her. She's not a star. I want my sister. So today, the only thing I regret is not taking him to the funeral because it was very difficult. And I said I didn't want Nicholas to go through that because it was a closed casket. So he stayed home. He didn't want to believe that she wasn't there, that she was gone, you know? So it's been very difficult to get Nicholas back. And I didn't get all of him back because he was a boy who laughed at everything, played with everything. Today, he's very closed off. He plays with his brothers, but I don't think it's the same. He doesn't talk about what happened to him. Sometimes he would bring it up out of the blue. He would say, oh, mom, I remember the mud. A tractor hit me, something like that. You listen, but if you start asking too many questions, he will stop. He won't say anything more, and he doesn't ever talk about Manu. There are days when I see him in the corner, sulking, and I want to know what's going on with him, but there is no point in me asking because he won't talk. He's blocked off. Was he two or three years old when the dam collapsed? He was three years old. And he was dragged through the mud with his father, Wesley. And what else does he say? What remains in his memory of that day, in his unconscious mind? He says that his father was hugging him and Manu, and that suddenly everything started to fall, to mess up. And he didn't see his father or Manu anymore. All he heard was a scream. He says that there were things hitting him, tractors, buses, cars, that sort of thing. There were things that hit him, that hurt, that he was struggling to breathe and to speak. He was calling out, Mom, Dad. He also remembers seeing a car and getting into it. I don't know if he had the mind to think that, because 
I really believe that God put him there too. The people found him naked, with no clothes on, and the car window was down. He sat down on the window sill in the car and held on to that that thing that's in the car, right? The, um, the handle above the window, he held on to that. Then the car went up and down in the stream of mud with him in it, up and down. A resident saw that he was there and that there was a child crying. He grabbed him and braved the mud to get him out. After all this happened, you were taken to a house in Mariana. During this time, did you need psychological help? Did you seek it out for you or Nicholas? Did you think it was necessary for him to have psychological care? Cristina, I was a bit lost to tell you the truth. I wasn't even thinking straight. Today I suffer sometimes. There are times when I don't want to do anything. I stay in my room and I don't want to do anything. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone. Because I didn't grieve properly. Because I care too much about Nicholas. I pay too much attention to him. I pay too much attention to Wesley. And I ended up forgetting about myself. You know? I think I moved about 10 times. In seven years, I moved 10 times or, or more. But I can't tell you exactly because sometimes it was a problem with the landlord. Sometimes it was with us. As I was with Wesley, he was very difficult. You know, he had a lot of problems with neighbors, with the police, with loud music, with friends. And there were lots of people coming and going. So... We didn't get placed anywhere. And after we split up, I came here. I was a bit calmer. And, you know, I don't blame him for anything because I think he's the only person who really understands me because he's her father, right? It's just that um, he dealt with the pain in a different way to me. The different way of dealing with pain, what do you mean by that? He took the easy way out. He preferred to turn to drugs, drinking, things that were of no use to me. For me, those had no use for anything, right? And sometimes he even cheated because it was more difficult to be with me. So I think he found it a bit difficult to see Nicholas suffering with me and deal with it. He he preferred to stay away, to keep his pain away. But I had to feel mine. After the disaster, how did you see Samarco? I hate them, okay? Seeing the way they were with us, the way they treated things, the way they talked about safety. In the end, to do this, because... I don't see it as an accident. I never imagined it could be this bad, though. This could have been avoided. They've now filled Bento Rodrigues with signs, sirens. For what? For what? Couldn't they have done this before? 
If they had wanted to do this before, they would have done it. And now there are all these signs indicating escape routes. Had they ever trained the residents to know where to go in an emergency? No, nothing. 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 So they didn't say anything. They didn't do anything? No, never. That possibility was never raised? Never. And there was no siren, right? There was nothing. We only heard the noise and saw the dust because it was daytime. And the noise, it sounded like a very heavy rain was coming or it sounded like a lot of trucks, tractors, I don't know, were coming. The noise got louder, louder, and no one realized what was going on because nobody expected it. People only started shouting that the dam had broken when that giant wave of mud and dust started rolling in. Then someone said, the dam broke. Everyone ran. We didn't even think. We ran up the hill, but we didn't know if the hill was even safe. We weren't sure. We just went. And it was luck that the mud didn't get up there. But Bento was destroyed. Pamela, do you have any pictures to show us? Do you have any videos of her with her voice? Did you manage to save anything? Cristina, that's what makes me most upset. I don't have any. Everything I had, I lost. Because I had another cell phone with videos and photos of her, which the mud took. I had CDs with photos of us. Because it was more like that, right? And um, those all got destroyed in the house. We didn't have Instagram at the time. We kept them in photo books or on the phone we had or in a USB stick. And my house was all destroyed. Everything was gone. And what I have today, I have because her teacher had it. Or some relatives who lived in Mariana had it. So a few things I've been able to keep. Some clothes. But it's very little. The only video I have of Manu, which I put on Facebook, I only have it because I had already uploaded it there before the collapse. It shows her dancing beautifully. But you can't hear her voice because the music's playing. That's the only video I have of her. That's what you said at the beginning of our interview, that it hurts that forgot her voice. Because there's nothing to remind me of her voice. And, you know, each person has their own smell. You know, my sons, each one has a different smell. I can't remember hers. It's just a memory of her, her little face, her way of being. So many of her things were lost and there's nothing to remind me because they're gone forever. I have this feeling like I have nothing that can bring her memory back to me. And the way I see it for the companies... These things, they're worth too little. They don't care. 
We place such a high value on these things, but they don't care. We are immensely grateful to Pamela for being so frank and vulnerable with us. And thank you for taking the time to listen to her story. Episode three of Dead River will be out next week. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening from and you'll be notified as soon as it's released. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the first two episodes and feel this is an important story to tell, please share them with friends and family. Thank you for listening.